the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, please. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5 and verse 13. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if thou bite and devour one another, take heed that thou be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the lust of the flesh, the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Father, take your word, scribe it in our hearts, cause it not just to be another morning service but that your word would do something real in our lives. That your word, Father, would do something real in every one of us. Glorify the name of the Lord Jesus through us. And in us we pray. For his name's sake we ask it. Amen. When we talk of the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, And as we have looked through this, we've seen that none of us are able to keep the fruit of the Spirit. Nine fruit are mentioned, but yet it's unity in one. Um, Works is plural. Several uh, different kinds of uh, flesh works may come from one of these that are listed. And God willing, time willing, we'll maybe get to some of them today. But what we want want you to understand this morning is why do we need to spend so much time on this? And I'll tell you why. Because especially the church, when I say the church, I mean Christ's blood-washed church. The church are becoming and have become so worldly, so fleshly, so carnal, so lackadaisical in the things of God, so Christless even. They've become so hardened to God's word that it no longer has the effect that's it's a Sunday morning uh, turn up at church and then it's a rest of the week and don't bother even seeking the face of God. The word of God finds no place in the heart. You know why? Because we walk in the flesh. 
rather than the Spirit. The Spirit will always bring you to the Word of God. Whether that's like an interpretation of a tongue, it will always bring you to the Word of God. The Spirit will always point you to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the embodiment of the Word. So the Holy Spirit, He will always lead you and guide you directly to Christ through the Word and for the things that are happening in your life, in your own desires. He will challenge you. The Spirit will challenge you according to the Word. And so we looked at, should we even judge as Christians? I can't go through it all. The answer is yes, according to the Word, yes, not according to our own mindset, not according to what we think, not according to our flesh, not according to what we see, not according to our own feelings. But according to the Word, what does the Word say? The most unlikeliest people that have been used by God are those the ones who society throws away. Did you know that? The most unlikeliest people who have been anointed by God are those who society haven't never wanted to know, yet they've been touched and anointed by God, and God has raised them up for his glory and his kingdom, and God has used them mightily. The most unlikely, you're looking at one. Me. And so whenever we look at this, when we think something of ourselves, worthy of ourselves, worthy within ourselves, that we are this so-called special ability, or even when we come to our own self-righteousness and holiness and look at another a different way, you're walking in the flesh. It's fleshly. But what we need to do is we need to look and see what is happening in the life. Is there a change? Is there a difference? We looked last week at John 15 and the Lord Jesus tells us to abide in him and he in us and he says we'll bear fruit, much fruit and more fruit. In other words, we cannot bear fruit for the kingdom. We cannot bear fruit for Christ unless we are in him. People say, well, how do you get such a ministry where there are those who are great preachers or great worship leaders or have great children's ministries or whatever, or great prayer life, you get it by fellowshipping with Christ. Simple as that. Fellowshipping with Jesus. Fellowshipping with Jesus will, first of all, show you your inability. The first thing a man and a woman will see when they get close to Christ is their own failure their own inability. The first thing a man and a woman will see, I was out yesterday walking with a dog over the field. I hadn't been over in a few days. I'd been that busy. And I got out over yesterday morning, started to pray, and the Lord just showed me my own frailty, my own inabilities, my own frailty. As I was walking the fields praying, son, you're seeing yourself, you're nothing. But see in Christ, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In Christ, I'm seated in him in heavenly places. That's the difference. We have to understand it's in Christ or out of Christ. It's through Christ or not at all. 
And so it's the works of the flesh will cause you to try and replicate something, will cause you to take something that's precious and use it through the flesh, and you'll tire, you'll get weary, you'll get weak, you'll get worried, you'll get all of those things, and whether it's physical, spiritually, mentally, or whatever, you'll find you can't do it anymore. But once we start walking in the Spirit, we find the strength of God coming into us. Jesus says that you can do nothing without me. And of course we can sin without him. We can go and play sports without him, do all manner of things without him, but we cannot do anything for the kingdom of God. We have no anointed spirit or presence without him. That's what he means. So when we're in Galatians 5, remember, if we were able to keep all of, or, or produce, I should say, all of this fruit, the ninth fruit of the Spirit, all of the time, every moment of every hour of every day, if we were able to produce it without fail all of our lives, we would be keeping the law. That's the idea of it. It's the law in our hearts. We're walking according to the course of the law of God. But unfortunately, we don't. We fail. But nevertheless, the idea is to get close to Christ and have the fruit produce in your life. And in that, you're getting closer to keeping the law, although in the flesh that will never be accomplished. So we live in grace because we fail. So whenever it says in Galatians 5 and 18, if you be led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. It means you're in Christ. He kept the law for us. We're living in grace, but we're living before him and for him. That's the idea of it, producing it in our lives. Verse 23, we're told, against such there is no law. And I told you that term means this will fulfill the law of God. In the scriptures, there are nine gifts of the Spirit, nine gifts of the Holy Spirit mentioned, and nine fruit of the Spirit mentioned. The nine fruit of the Spirit constantly produced in the Christian life, listen, emphasizes the life and the ministry of the Lord Jesus in his humanity. I want you to get this. This is important because your life matters. Your witness matters. Your testimony matters. How you react, how you act, what you say, what you do, where you go, what you produce for others, it matters because you are the body of Christ. You are the visible expression as the body of Christ on this earth. Now, he's a resurrected body in heaven, but he, we are his body, his mystical body as it's known on earth. We are his body, filled with his spirit, the blood-washed, blood-bought believers. So it matters how you direct your life. It matters how you walk in your life. It matters how you talk in your life. It matters what you do with your life. It matters how you treat each other in life. It matters in the church how you love one another. It matters how you deal with people outside of here. It matters because you're Christ to many people. And the idea of it is, is in the fruit of the Spirit within us, producing from us, it represents or it shows forth Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, through his body on the earth. Shows his humanity on earth. In other words, you and I are Christ's hands. We are his feet. We are his mouth. When we speak his word, you and I are Christ's body. So how we live and produce the fruit in our lives it shows forth the humanity of Christ as he walked in his flesh. Now, the gifts of the Spirit 
in various operations in the Christian assembly, just like we have this morning, enlarges and it magnifies Christ as to his deity. That he's God. That he's still the Savior who died for us. That he's still the healer who heals us. That he's still the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And he is still the soon coming king. In other words, when we hear gifts in the church, the manifest gifts of the Spirit, word of knowledge and word of wisdom and tongues, interpretation, prophecy and so on, when we hear the vocal gifts in the church, we are listening, as it were, outside the veil of the temple like the priests. The high priest was in through the veil and he had a bell and a pomegranate around his garments and as he walked, they rang and made a noise together and they heard to see if he was still alive and he was accepted before God. As he sprinkled the the blood upon the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant and they had a rope tied around him in case he died for they were unallowed to go into the holy place. So they would listen behind this great big curtain, as it were, and they'd hear the bells and the pomegranates, the fruit and the gifts, the pomegranate, the gifts, the bells. Is he alive yet? Hold on. And they hear the moving. High priest is still alive. The high priest is still alive. Well, how do we know our great high priest, the Lord Jesus, is still alive? How do we know that because from heaven he sends down the Spirit? From heaven he gives us the gifts of the fruit of the Spirit. And he gives us the gifts of the Holy Ghost. So it's the bells and the pomegranates in our life. Is our great high priest alive? Go into a church and listen. Is the Spirit moving? Is the Spirit speaking? Through his word, through gift operations. Go to a, a church and listen. Is the Spirit alive? Is the Spirit showing us that Christ is alive, our great high priest? Then look at the people and say, what are they producing as an assembly? What are they producing as the body of Christ? What are they producing as a ministry? What are they producing in their home life and in their work life? What are they producing in their social life as they go out around from day to day? What is the fruit? Is it love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, faith, goodness, meekness, and temperance? Is this what we're producing, Donna Cloney Elam? Is this what we're producing? in our own separate lives and us in assembly? Or does the flesh have the rule over us more than the Spirit? In 1 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10, you don't need to look at it, we'll just rhyme it out and you can look at it later. These are the nine gifts of the Spirit, spiritual gifts that are, are mentioned. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healings, working of miracles, Prophecy, discerning of spirits, divers are various kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. There's the bell, the pomegranate, the fruit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. So, while the spirit produced in the yielded saint's life shows and speaks of a kept law, shows Christ in bodily form, keeping the law, the gifts of the spirit shows that of imparted grace. Here's law, here's grace. Here's law, here's grace. The the filling of the Spirit into a life shows grace in a life. Shows grace in a life. I'm going to speak more on grace next week because it's going to be a wee dedication. We cars is getting dedicated and her name means grace. So I'll show you more of it next week. But it shows in the life 
And it shows the, the imparted grace of, not of legalism here. We're not talking about keeping the law and being rigid. There's too many rigid Christians. There's too many stiff-necked believers. There's too many hard-hearted, callous men and women who profess the name of Christ, can cross T's and dot I's, but wouldn't know the Holy Spirit if he came and spun them around in circles. They wouldn't know him. So the works of the flesh, we haven't long this morning. I may get through some of these. We have a couple of dedications the next couple of weeks. I'm going to break this up. I may do, we have Karis one week and Jonah the next. And then we'll maybe come back to this again on another week. Let's look at the works of the flesh first of all. Galatians chapter 3, please. The works of the flesh. Now, there's something we've got to realize here. Sorry, Galatians chapter 5. I turned over to Galatians 3. Pardon me. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. We looked at it last week. We have liberty in Christ. It doesn't mean to say that we are maniacs. That everything and anything goes. That's not what it means. We are called, we are set free from a curse. That's what it means. We're set free from a chain of a curse that the law points to us. And so it now is written in our hearts, but the Holy Spirit through grace teaches us to live right and produce fruit. That's the idea of it. People think we're over called to liberty. Let's do cartwheels, swing from chandeliers, and let's you know, go, go mantle and roll around like snakes and bark like dogs and quack like ducks and so on. That's not the Holy Ghost liberty. That is not Holy Spirit liberty, brothers and sisters. And if you go to a church like that and start doing that, just walk out again. Shake the dust from off your feet and walk out. The Holy Ghost doesn't need all of that stuff. He doesn't do it either. Notice what he says here. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Don't be saying I'm under grace. Don't be saying that I'm under the, 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 the ownership of Christ, and I have the, the leadership in this, of the Spirit, so now I can live how I like. Don't use that for a cloak. We hear it everywhere. But by love serve one another, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Here is the Spirit now moving in us. We'll love one another. Love God first, then love one another. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. So if you're biting and devouring someone, especially a brother or sister in Christ, I can tell you something, brother or sister, the word says that if you bite and devour, you're walking in the flesh. That's not of God. You need to stop it. Zip it. Let your heart be checked by the Spirit. And if the heart isn't checked by the Spirit, then you've got to wonder, where is he? In fact, you've got to wonder, where are you? Now, notice this. This, I say then, walk in the Spirit. The word walk means order your life's course through the Spirit. In other words, let the Spirit have full dominion and reign in the realm of your life. Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I have something to tell you. See, when you're tempted, 
oh Lord, I'm tempted and I'm too weak. Of course you are. You're human. But you're not meant to stay there. You're meant to go and pray about it. You're meant to go and seek God's word about it. You're meant to go and ring a a good brother or sister who'll pray with you and for you. You're meant to get into the church environment. You're meant to worship him. You're meant to be in the house of God. You're meant to be there or else you're just going to sit there in the realms of death of the flesh. It's as simple as that. People say, I couldn't help myself. I was tempted so I went out for the night and I got drunk. Or I couldn't help myself. I I, I got tempted first. Listen, brothers and sisters, now listen. Get close to Christ and you won't fulfill the loss of the flesh. It's as simple as that. Get close to Christ and it won't happen. If you're not close to Christ, it will happen. Now you're an amen. Is it as simple as that, isn't it? If we get close to Christ, he says, if you're walking with me, if you're abiding in me and I'm abiding in you, you'll bring forth fruit. He didn't say you'll bring forth the works of the flesh. Spiritual fruit. He will order your life. The amount of people that say to me, you know, I just couldn't resist it. You can't. Resist the devil, he'll flee from you. You can't, it's as simple as that. You can't. There's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. There's a way of escape for every believer. It's called the throne of grace. There's a way of escape for every believer. It's called the throne room of God. It's a place where we find help and strength in time of need. Fear overcame me and I couldn't help it. Trial overcame me and I fell away. Listen, brothers and sisters, if the whole world falls out with you, don't fall out of love with Christ. Even if the whole world falls out with you, don't fall out of love with Jesus. He hasn't done it. He's the one who's kept you. Here we have works of the flesh and fruit of the Spirit. It's time Christians got their priorities right. I don't mean to sound hard. I'm just being honest and open with you. It's time Christians got their priorities right to the point where we put Christ first in all things, at all times, in all manners, in all circumstances and situations, over all our own desires, our wills, our thoughts, our wants, that Christ is first over it all. And when we are in Christ and Christ is in us and walking in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Notice what he says here. Verse 17, For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to another, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. You can't. It's not you won't. You can't. You know why? Because every time you go and the flesh calls you, Christ is there. One old Puritan says one time, man's conscience, conscience is God's spy and man's overseer. And everybody with a conscience before God will have God as his spy looking at him and an overseer in his life. Every time we go to do wrong, say wrong. And listen, see as I've been reading this, and see as as I've been studying this over these weeks, I've been living in this. And every time you go to think, ah, see that one, and you go, oh, Lord, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Flesh. Why give up on that flesh? Lay this down, spirit. 
Oh, okay. Putting away hurts, putting away disappointments, putting away all those things that have built up in us, we must lay them down for they are the works of the flesh. Too many carnal, fleshy Christians, shooting stars who'll go on across the sky, burning brightly, here I am, I'm ready to do many things for God. Then the flesh comes and is... He's collapsed into himself. He's burnt out over the other side of the sky. So, you can't do those things for God. If you lay to the Spirit, you're not under the law. In other words, you're not under the curse of the law. I'll just do one or two of these, and that's all I can do this morning, and we will come back to them. Let's look at the first one. Work of the flesh. The first one is adultery. Verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery. Adultery. You know what adultery is put down as? Desire. To desire that which is not yours. To desire that which is not yours and is forbidden. That's adultery. The Lord Jesus opens this up even more. Matthew 5 and 28, he says, Whoso looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Do you know what Jesus is saying here? That everyone who has looked with an eye at a man or a woman, woman to man or so on, at some place, point, part in time in their life, and there's even been a lustful thought, a thought that shouldn't have happened, you're an adulterer in God's eyes. Wow. So we have broken the law, manifested the works of the flesh. You know what that tells me? You and I were no better than each other. Don't point the finger. Don't point the finger. Don't point the finger. Don't point the finger. If they're in Christ, and you're in Christ, don't point the finger. The grace of God upon our lives is the only reason we can ever, ever, ever walk this life. And it's not okay to do it. We must bring that under control to the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Secondly, quickly, fornication. Fornication. The word here, fornication, is a word pornea or pornea. And it's where you and I get our word pornography from. This is what it means in physical terms. Speaking, it speaks of illicit sexual intercourse. It speaks of also sex outside marriage. See, you thought it was going to be all these weird, wonderful, terrible things, you know. No, no. It also falls into the category of anyone premarital sex. You've committed fornication. Here's another one that I don't like to hear. Homosexuality and lesbianism is in there. Here's another one. Bestiality. Incest. 
It's all under pornea where we get our word pornography from. Metaphorically, or if you want, spiritually speaking, it speaks of worship of other idols. Having other gods before God. You're a fornicator. That's one of the works of the flesh, and it says that those who practice such in a continual, habitual habit, remember, that's the idea of it, for we all fall sometimes at some place, at some part of our lives, and it means habitually, continually in this lifestyle. That's what it means. Shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Wow. See, it's not just about... I'm walking up the altar here. Oh, I'll get saved this week. I think I'll fall away and get saved again next Sunday morning. You know that sort of save one moment and lost the next? No, no, no. Thirdly, uncleanness. Uncleanness. We have the old saying, cleanliness is next to godliness. We've all heard that, haven't we? Cleanliness is next to godliness. And actually, in part of this, in the old writing, it means that. Not it's next to godliness, but that the believer should keep themselves respectably clean. But, but there are very poor people who live in squalor around the world. There are very poor people who live in squalor, but love the Lord Jesus Christ with all their heart. They have no chance of cleaning up their flesh, as in their skin, washing, and so on. And they're And then there are those who have all the amenities at their disposal. All the soaps and the showers and the luxurious bathrooms, whatever you want. And they are more concerned with their appearance and their prestige. And they're more laxed in their morals. That's the idea. Uncleanness is you're too laxed in your morals. You'll not inherit the kingdom of God. Romans chapter 6, please. Romans chapter 6 and verse 15. I tell you what, let's go to verse 13. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Your instruments are not only your arms, your legs, your feet, your hands, your mouth to serve God as instruments of righteousness, but not only that, but even the gifts and the talents that God has given you, use them for, for the good of the kingdom. Notice this. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. In other words, away with such a thought. That's what it means. Or in the old Northern Ireland Ulster term, get away that way. Go on, get away that way. That's the way he says it. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience to righteousness. In other words, whoever you're yielding yourself to, whatever you're yielding yourself to, that becomes your master. You are become enslaved, and Christ has brought you out of it into liberty. So when you want to be the love slave of Christ or the death slave of sin and death, But God be thanked that we are the servants, that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart. Notice from the heart. 
that form of doctrine which was delivered to you, being made free from sin, you became servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness, unto holiness. For when ye were servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. There was no righteousness in you. Notice what fruit had ye then in those things, whereof you are now ashamed. Brothers and sisters, are you ashamed of your sin? Are you ashamed of your past? I am. I'm terrible ashamed of mine. I'm ashamed of a lot of the things I was in and got up to and done. I am mortified and ashamed of it. But I can tell you one thing. I know I'm forgiven of it. I know I'm cleansed from it. But I refuse to walk back in it. But now, being made free from sin, you become servants to God. Have your fruit, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end of everlasting life. Notice, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul is telling us, if someone lives in a constant, habitual, continual life of sin... Even if they go to church, even if they profess that they have walked up and I'll put up a hand, said a wee prayer, and whatever else they've done, or they feel so spiritual. He says, if they live like that, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. He says, you heard from your heart, you yield your members, all of you, your hands, your feet, your arms, your legs, your mouth, your ears, your eyes, everything. All of this temple of the Holy Ghost. You yield it. In other words, you prostrate it before God. You come under his word. And you say, Lord, it doesn't matter what it costs me. It doesn't matter what I have to give up. It doesn't matter what I have to do. He said, I'm going to serve you. Because you have saved me. And the end, he says, you'll see everlasting life. But the wages of sin is death. Aye, that's... That's a wee verse you put up in the wall, up in your wall. That's a wee verse that the opener preachers preach, and that's a wee verse that they put outside some of the churches or the gospel halls. And that's a wee verse somebody paints on a wee board and nails it to a tree up the country road, and and all these sort of things. Listen, the wages of sin is death. It hasn't happened yet. It isn't payday yet. And all who live a habitual, continual life of sin. They'll realize they'll get their wages. They'll get their wages. Death. But those who are yielding themselves to the word of God and the fruit of the Spirit, what's their wages? Everlasting life. I know what pay packet I want. I'm telling you, I want to, I, I, I want to give my, my details to the bank, say, could I please have the everlasting life deposited in here? not the wages of sin, which is death. I finish with this. Thank you for your attention. Fourthly, and this is our last one, it'll only be take a couple of minutes. Lasciviousness. It's a big word, isn't it? It's a word, Asalgia. 
And it gives the idea of something having no restraint. Something having no restraint. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 7. Peter speaks of the filthy conversation of the wicked. Speaking of Lot being in Sodom. The filthy conversation of the wicked. The word the filthy means the unrestrained conversation. That's what it means. They were filthy. Anything goes. Everything goes. It's a bit like Britain, isn't it? It's a bit like our nation. It's a bit like Belfast. I was walking around it yesterday. Some of the things that were, I see now, it's like the town I never grew up in sometimes. Everything goes. Anything goes. The filthy, unrestrained conversation doesn't mean they're just sitting talking. It means they're constant manner of lifestyle. It means the unrestrained conduct and behavior of men and women who are godless. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter 3 and 16, speaking of believers, believers, that we should have a good conversation in Christ. A good conversation. The word good is a morally honorable, pleasing to God conversation in Christ or a morally honorable, pleasing to God lifestyle, constantly living with our conduct always good before God. My brothers and sisters, I don't, I'm not trying to be hard. I'm just trying to be honest with you. You need to look at a lot of what's going on in church life today and you ask yourself, and maybe it's also in our church, I preach all the time to try and all I can do is bring the word, leave it with you, and it's your life before God. It's your life before God. It's where you are with God. It's my job to bring the word, to give it to you, and it's your life before God. But let's be honest, when we look at many of them, the way churches are going, the way assemblies are going, the way things are being taught, You need to ask yourself, does it look like a sanctified, separated, set-apart church in many places? To me, it doesn't. To me, it doesn't. To me, it looks like the world is in the church where Christians think Christianity is going to a certain place of worship or concert or going to a venue and doing all these so-called lovely things and then going home and ending up in the nightclub that night. Now that's going on. Sleeping with one another. Brothers and sisters, this book is a holy book written by holy men of God as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. This book is unchanging. This book, the Word of God, is forever settled in heaven. I cannot change it even if I wanted to to help you. This is what it says, but what helps you is when we walk in the Spirit according to the Word of God. Nothing else will do. Now, after this, people may fall out with me and say, you're too hard. I'm not being hard on you. I'm telling you because I love you and I want you to end up in the kingdom of God.
Thought I got an amen there, but it was a wee burp from one of the, one of the babies. <laughs> was it Jonah? Good man, Jonah. <laughs> so here's where I finish. In Romans chapter 12, look it up when you go home, mark it down. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, we are told those which are pleasing to God, first of all, we are to prove what's pleasing to God, Romans 12 and 2. Then Romans 12 and 9, we are to cleave to it, that which is pleasing to God, cleave to it. And then in Romans 13 and 3, we are to do it. (laughs) Prove it, cleave to it, do it. Brothers and sisters, we are to have a godly, a good, moral, honourable, pleasing to God manner of life, conduct and behaviour. Now, next week, we will be changing it in the week after.